phantasm? Is it a nightmare? Phantasm? Is it an illusion? Phantasm? Is it an evil? Phantasm? Is it a fantasy? Phantasm? Is it alive? There was nobody driving! Whatever it is, if this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead. Phantasm. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. Follow us on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod. Hey, I sent you guys the, the trailer. I guess you had all already seen the trailer for Slother House. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Jeez. Kevin, you're shaking your head. Well, you're I not. I mean, you know, you used to have to try to make these movies. <laughs> now, anyone. Like, you used to have to, like, try Snakes on a Plane or Zombievers, whatever. Like, you just think of anything now and. Somebody will make it. I watched this shark exploitation thing on Netflix. I mean, on Shutter. Sorry, Shutter. <gasps> on Shutter, and it talked about how all these spinoffs and how outlandish all the creature movies have gotten, and they even trace the newer stuff back to Jaws and the stuff that's like a grizzly bear and yeah. cocaine bear. Hopefully, this is going to be. I kind of want it to be by a certain formula. I want. I like when they just come up with a title. <laughs> yeah. And then they just go with that. Like that's <laughs> like Sharknado. Exactly. And I love how out of control all of those have gotten. So I look forward to seeing how far it goes. If you don't know about Slother House, it's about a killer sloth. I think even for a gag title like Cocaine Bear or Sharknado, I think Slother House is, <laughs> I won't is say particularly it. I won't tortured. Say it. You this won't say like, it. It's like my core four. I'm just not going to say I just refuse to <laughs> yeah. say it. I'll probably watch it, but I will never say it. What'd you watch today? A movie? A film that had some I think long it looks, toes. I think it looks good. The filmmaker is from Boston. Oh, nice. He, had, um, he made a, a feature film, directed a feature film in 2020 called Woe, like a horror thriller that actually looks kind of interesting. And he's done a bunch of shorts, but this looks like the, so far, the most attention that he's enjoyed his magnum opus. Yeah, well, he, I'm trying to tell you we, I, we maybe can we, we get him talk on the pod. Yeah, maybe on stop insulting him for a minute. Yeah. I can't, I can't have him on the show. I can't <laughs> say the name of his <laughs> film. Even like the the Winnie the Pooh, oh. you know, these are all clickbait horror movies. They just, you know, I'll just... go for it. Did anybody see Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey? No, I heard it was bad. I, think I heard it was bad too. You heard, you heard it was bad from Tasha. Yes. And then you told me, and I believe oh, so more, <laughs> more people yeah. will watch the trailer for this than will watch the movie. Tasha has, has cost the makers of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and so Honey, much money. $10 or $15 by now. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have Winnie the Pooh on VHS tape. I'm not going to spoil it now by I watching this horrendous thing. Kevin, you saw Cobweb. I you, did. You've been talking about this. I did, yeah. I did. I liked it a lot. That's is that you want more? That's no, your no, actually. It's we really talking pod. about Cobweb last week, right? The director, Samuel Bolden, has a show on Netflix called Marianne, which is a French horror uh, TV series huh. from 2020 or 2021 that's awesome. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Really, really good. And they're fantastic watches, like back to back. He has a very, this Bolden um, director has a very distinct style. Cobweb actually... Uh, I don't want to talk about it too much because I feel the same way about it as I do one of our movies this week. Mm. Same. You want to save it? You want to save, save it, it for, for the pod? <laughs> this is. <laughs> this is. Oh, this is the pod. This is the pod. Oh, I'm going to save it for okay. a later segment <laughs> of the pod. That's save a new it. thing. Save Suspense. it for a later segment of the pod. Suspense. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but time, folks. You know, um, what, you know what else I did though? Yeah. That's a little bit off the beaten path of what we usually talk about. I played a video game, which <gasps> I don't think I've ever talked about because I never play video games. But yeah. the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh. <laughs> video game just came out. Yeah. So a friend of mine, uh. knowing how much I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
uh, surprised me. I went to visit him, had it all queued up, uh, and it's a fucking blast. It's super rad. Nice. Uh, it's all interactive, so there isn't like a like a linear story that you play. Uh, it's every. It's like um, I don't know if you guys ever played like GoldenEye back in the day. But it's basically like maps, and you start out every scenario as either a member of the family or a victim, and it's all interactive, so you're playing with other people all over the world, huh. and if you're a member of the family, you have to kill the victims and stop them from escaping whatever map you're in. If you're a victim, you have to get the hell away from the family and escape. So it's really cool. It plays Leatherface, the dad, the hitchhiker, nice. some other characters, which is rad. The victims are all just you know throwaway characters, kind of like the movie. Uh, and then Grandpa's in every single scenario as like um, not a playable character, but he like plays a big part in it. But it's rad. Like if you escape huh. like the, the house final level, no, he's like in it. But like if you're a member of the family, you have to like feed Grandpa blood, and he gives you like powers of like finding the victims. Nice, because the maps are pretty expansive. If you're uh, a victim, uh, from what I gather, just from playing a little bit, you can kind of mess with Grandpa, and it, it hinders the the family's ability to catch you but it's rad like the if you play the house map so like the actual house from the film uh the way you escape is like literally running down the driveway like sally does and getting to the road and uh it's cool it's it's you know obviously video games aren't my thing but i believe damien moffy is involved in that oh maybe one of the voices yeah he's yeah we we talked about damien moffy was in haunt and he at least at one time lived in portland maine it blew us off wrong turn i wouldn't go that far oh that's right he was in the wrong turn reboot as well yeah he's he's involved yeah i guess he's a voice or something i've been seeing a lot of talk about it nick was very excited about this because they did a uh a um promotion crossover with aew the wrestling (laughs) uh company and so they had uh, Leatherface come out in the ring and like oh, do this wow. whole thing and he had his own belt so he made sure to be like when our two interests cross and it was like he was texting me he's like this is pretty lame <laughs> but it was a cool <laughs> thing to see with uh, Leatherface having his own like wrestling belt like on the back of his chainsaws he's like Running around, so it was cool. I would love to see the Leatherface Happy Meal, and like, I would, I think it <laughs> yeah. could be more commercialized. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Just only ketchup on the sandwich. That's all you get. That's all you get is ketchup. <laughs> yeah. I just actually I watched the original this weekend randomly, and I would play the Hitchhiker. I think if I was in the game. Yeah. Finally, quickly, a uh, little correction on myself. We talked about Dead Calm, directed by Philip Noyce, Australian filmmaker, and. He had directed Patriot Games, and I said he directed The Hunt for Red October, and I just feel like I should correct that. I meant to double-check it at the time, mm. and I didn't. I meant he directed Clear and Present Danger. Hunt for Red October was um, um, McTierney, the guy that directed um, Predator and Die Hard. Okay. So that's a major, you know. Uh, okay, that's good. Fake news. I was putting too much fake news out there. Wow, it's really honest of you. Check myself. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> circling back. This week, movies at the morgue. <sighs> What a morbid, this is a morbid week, Kevin. Well, you know. We're just hanging out in funeral parlors and morgues with morticians, dead bodies. My God. Saws. Starting with 1979's Phantasm. The residents of a small town have begun dying under strange circumstances, leading young Mike to investigate. After discovering that the tall man, the town's mortician, is killing and reanimating the dead as misshapen zombies, Mike seeks help from his older brother Jody and the local ice cream man. Working together, (laughs) they try to lure out and kill the tall man, all the while avoiding his tiny minions and a deadly silver spear. That's about (laughs) as well as you could sum up that. I feel like that maybe was the script of the entire movie. It's possible. Ah, Phantasm, 1979, Don Coscarelli. I had not seen this movie maybe since I was like six or seven years old, start to finish. And we talk a lot on the show about movies that we watched when we were younger and certain scenes that stick with us or like just impressions they made upon us. This movie, I, I never realized this. I think it has the single largest amount of scenes that affected me as a child, as a horror viewer. And watching it now, I'm like, oh, my God, I remember the way I felt when I was a kid and I saw that scene and this scene. And it's a little bit silly, too, watching it now as a much older person. (laughs) But I think that's why I could watch this and be scared. 
and kind of revisit it decades later and be like, man, you know, I, I only find this scary now because it's, it's invoking like the fear I had as a child. But let's be honest, like there's really bad like paper mache flies that are attacking. There's like yellow goop. There's fucking evil Ewoks and stuff that scared mm-hmm. the shit out of me as a kid. Jawas. Now I watch it and I'm like, yeah, Jawas, sorry. Yeah, more. <laughs> I, I call them Ewoks, but it's way it's more Jawa. Jawas. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big Star Wars person, so <laughs> I would have to look that up. Uh, all of those things, but there are still some legitimately scary. The tall man, Angus Grimm, legend. We all think, you know, okay, the tall man, you see that. The orb, uh, surprisingly, very little of the movie makes maybe two appearances. But those things yeah. stuck with me and they scared the crap out of me. The plot, completely nonsensical. This is an unbelievable film to get through from start to finish uh, and make any sense out of it. However, it pulls the rug out from under you and goes to one of the oldest and, and tried and true cop-outs at the end. But I think this film is so old back in 1979 that maybe that was still a, a relatively fresh cop out. You think? Take I I love it and I will defend it. But I mean okay. I think a lot of people nowadays would call it a cop out. <laughs> Either way, this was super fun to revisit. More so than any film we've talked about, it brought me back to very specific memories and feelings as a kid. Um, and I do understand why it's a cult classic now, especially given all the the so bad they're good films that we've talked about. I actually think that this looks like a 1970s children's movie. Yeah. Different parts of it look like that. So I think that we kind of went into it as kids with a a feeling of safety because of the aesthetic, the marble everywhere and the setting of the mortuary. Uh, I love that about it. And there's so many like classic scenes that are like just framed up perfect and this thing happens and they're disjointed from everything. There's so many different things that are here to menace you, but I love that about it. I love the little fly thing in the, the shirt <laughs> or whatever that was. That was pretty absurd. But I had uh, read a little bit about this, and like uh, It Follows, we talked about, this was based on a dream. And, you know, thinking of making it kind of like a ch- children's movie based on a dream in 79 makes it so much more legit to me. And I do think that parts of it are are like, they're not scary, but they're like creepy, like witches was that, that movie, the Roald Dahl adaptation. <laughs> oh, the you know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's just certain <laughs> yeah. things about it that like my childhood me is like, wow, that's, you know, that's scary. But um, I also think that speaking of children's uh, movies, that this must have had a huge influence on Despicable Me. With the minions and you know, oh yeah, and, good call. You know the tall man Groovy was a little bit man. like uh, what's his name? Gru. Gru. <laughs> Wait, um, Gru? No, you're talking about something else. Despicable me. Well, you're thinking of Guardians of the Galaxy. His name's yeah. Gru. Groot. This Groot. Oh, that's Groot. Yeah. Okay. No, I was thinking about the. Never mind. But the the dialogue is classically bad, but so forgivable because of everything else that this movie packs in it has like probably has nothing to do with this but it reminds me of like new zealand or like european uh movies it doesn't come across as yeah. a, an american yeah uh, you're, you're right i agree yeah but i loved phantasm it was a little bit more preposterous this time when i watched it but i was just there for all the all the cool imagery and stuff i love this movie stone cold classic so good watched it a couple times man it's just it's so different than anything else we talk about genre film and how tradition based it is and how many things are passed down and you know how many things you have to there's a a a form that you're working with and we talk about that a lot but the ones that i feel like that we love the most are the ones that take that form they take all the traditions and they do something just different with it, something fresh with it. Maybe it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's lending something unique to the tradition, to the form. I think this movie does that all day long. I mean, it's totally preposterous. It's bizarre. It's all nightmare logic, I think, is my mm-hmm. definition for this. If you're having a nightmare, everything in this movie makes yep. perfect sense. And I think even in the movie, it's not clear 
what's real and and what's a nightmare or what's a dream scene i don't think it really tells you all the time it's so it's so great the the finger i mean i there's so many things i want to talk about the finger that turns into the fucking fly or whatever just every scene is exactly as a little kid like you were saying kevin i think that's that's one of the reasons that it resonated it didn't wasn't a big thing at the time this was a three hundred thousand dollar budget movie that's a guess from uh don coscarelli he was 24 years old when he made this movie this guy is still he's not even old now he was really young um and i didn't know that he was actually at the time before this he made uh, a movie called jim the world's greatest he was the youngest filmmaker to ever be to have his movie distributed by a major studio ever at the time he was 19 years old that was like 76 or something like that reading about this very much like texas chainsaw massacre all the indie stuff evil dead that we talk about these are all amateurs these are people getting picked up in a car on when they could do it between jobs it was all done on weekends it took a year i think to film this but the love the passion the originality the just the the voice the very particular voice i think one reason it seems european is i think there's a lot of uh, dario argento Yes. And there's a lot of Suspiria, even the soundtrack, so goblin, that like synth oh, the theme. soundtrack is the best. Yeah, it's just, it looks like something that Argento would do, all the marble in the in the mortuary. Oh man, so fun. If you haven't seen, I mean, I think, I, I wonder, have people seen Phantasm? Because it's among the more obscure. I would say The Tall Man is an icon, but I think he's... He's he's closer to like a pumpkin head than a pinhead. I, I think, think it's a lot yeah. more T-shirts than it is uh, people that have people have oh. more T-shirts of Phantasm than have oh. seen the movie. I would say name three characters. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. This movie was absolutely a very very odd one, and it really didn't make a lot of sense to me. But I think that's what they were absolutely going for. While I didn't understand what was going on most of the time when it came to the tall man and his origins and what his motives were, I still was appreciative and entertained by the goofy uh, effects and little like ghouly slave guys uh, and evil bugs and stabby spheres uh, that were going on. By the time you get to the end, though, I think this movie, it doesn't make a, a lot of sense logically on purpose because it's trying to be like a representation of Mike's little nightmare um, with him feeling like he's living in one after his parents die and his fears of being abandoned by his brother and him going through the motions of like trying to overcome these fears. Uh, the weird tall man definitely then adds like a ghoulish creepiness to it. And then the synthy soundtrack that you were talking about makes you feel very uneasy watching it. If I had a nightmare like this, I definitely wouldn't forget it. I wouldn't want to relive it in this way. But I think that's kind of why it's such a classic of like the 70s horror vibe. Very Suspiria-esque to me. Yeah. Obviously not as visually appealing or like, you know, the budget obviously wasn't that big. Yeah. But it was still great to watch. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, the plot was obviously, (laughs) took its own, (laughs) took its own turn. Um I wouldn't say that the hooded figures, the Jawas, if we've if we said they were that scary themselves, but what they were representing and what we then find out they are kind of circle back and we could go, oh shoot. So it's definitely worth the second watch. I second watched this film. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. Look at me, guys. Wow. <laughs> that says a lot for uh, Phantasm. I know, I know. Look at us. Um, you get boobs right off the bat. Love it. Just like really coming in strong. It's a win for everyone there. I wouldn't say there's anything over the top in the gore department. There's like two scenes of blood, maybe. One of them's yellow. Not a gory film, but I think it was effective in what it was trying to convey that it was just like a basically like a a lucid nightmare that you're living with these characters. If I had seen this movie as a child, I I don't think I would be the same. I think this would have been like a Halloween moment for me where I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? I know nothing. Nothing is real. Where am I? Well, the sphere was gory. With the blood yeah. spurt. That, that yeah, part yeah. was gory. And yeah. that's the thing is like you could go sit through this as a kid and watch the whole thing until it got to there and be like, holy crap, Yeah, that sphere. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think the downfalls in this movie with the dialogue and the plot and how different every single kill is, is kind of its charm. It's like it shows that it's a bit improvised. Yes, and, and, it, and it was. And it seems yeah. young and hungry and like, yeah. I, I like the, uh, 
I guess the ambition that, that went behind it that you can yeah. kind of it's kind of transparent when you watch it. There's this Amblin quality to it with the right. with Mike with the kid, and I think when I watched this. I was like half terrified, but also like half wishing I was Mike. Yeah, exactly. Especially like the bedroom uh, hammer explosion yeah, yeah. scene. Like there's, like there's like five. Like you yeah. could tell that they were going for like feature length time because they spend like five minutes of the movie making him do this Home Alone contraption to like get out of his room that his brother is merely like stuck a screwdriver in. Yeah. Uh, but there's just scenes like that that like you can glom onto as a kid. And then even like when he cuts like the tall man's fingers off and gets a finger and puts it in the box with like the yellow goop, that's even almost like so childish. Like it brings you back yes. to like when you're capturing the caterpillar in your bedroom or something like that. Yeah, I, like yeah, I remember yeah. watching this and maybe, maybe it's because I was raised a little bit too much on Stephen King and I'd rather have like a finger in a box than a caterpillar mm -hmm. or something. But it, just no, all of that vibe. is like, yeah, it's, it was the same vibes. I feel like Goosebumps took a lot of um, info from this movie. <laughs> yeah. I could see some Goosebumps <laughs> vibes. Some Are You Afraid yeah. of the Dark? In the best um, way possible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we should mention that we, we watched the remastered version. Um, it looks great. Which is on Shudder right now. I don't know if, because this is on all the ad-driven free sites. It's VOD. You can see this anywhere. But Shudder has the remastered version. I think it was from 2014, 15. Not that old. And uh, the only reason that happened is because J.J. Abrams was a fan and he wanted a screening and Coscarelli told him he didn't have anything better than what was out there and so Bad Robot <laughs> went and did this uh, restoration. It's it awesome. Great. It looks great. Yeah. Really the, cool. The Jawas uh, were played by children. Oh yeah, well that makes sense. So if you watch all the fight scenes, they're like kind of <laughs> brutal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's like I think we have some like dead calm child dummies involved. There's a lot of like unintentional body comedy in this movie. <laughs> the uh, fight with the fly and the shirt, like there's just a yeah, lot of that. like body so comedy good. in this. The, the actors did great. I mean, amateur actors. There's a scene where there's this crazy big killer fly, and and the actors have to pretend that they've caught it in a jacket, and the jacket is pulling them all around the house, down the stairs, into the other rooms, and it's so good. They're really giving it their all to act as though this thing that's in the jacket is pulling them everywhere. You know, amateur is just doing it all. Nothing comes off zany though. It has no. a dead serious tone to the whole thing, even yeah. though things are. It almost has like a Goonies vibe too, yep. where like. There's no parents in this movie. I, I know, Kat, you mentioned like Mike and Jody's parents have died, but like the whole movie is almost like we can't yes. possibly tell anyone in authority. Like they don't go to the cops, they don't no. go to parents. Like, right. And right. that, again, as a kid, when you're watching this, like, with, like when you watch the Goonies and you know, you're like, nobody tell the parents, let's figure this shit out on our own. Like, yeah, that's, that's a very yeah, childlike charm. Yes, it's just to it. the kid and then his older brother. And his and Reggie convincing the ice cream people man. along the way. It's just their hey, little friend group. Something amiss here. Yeah, and, and his like, older brother is basically Knight Rider. He looks like David Hasselhoff, <laughs> and he drives <laughs> the uh, what is that it's muscle like car? Plymouth. So yeah, some crazy black muscle car. It's amazing. And then there's the ice cream man, Reggie. Yes, bald with a ponytail that shreds on guitar. Reggie Bannister plays Reggie, the character. Now, he's in every Phantasm movie, and I, last year, I, I never told you guys, I tried to go through the entire, there's six total Phantasm movies now. They're all much later. Even the second one, I think, was almost 10 years later, but he, Reggie Bannister is in all of them. He is a uh, uh, interesting guy. He's a musician. He wrote the song that they jam on. He and Jody, the older brother, they jam on guitars at one point. That's a Reggie song. You can find him still playing that today on YouTube at uh, open mics and whatnot. Does he have a Spotify? Events. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Vietnam vet. Did some TV. You know, hasn't done a lot of stuff. Most most all these people are just known for Phantasm for the most part. Or Phantasm 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. 6, yeah. Oh, so I made it through. I definitely started 5, I think, after this. Oh my God, they are <laughs> unbelievably bad. The oh. the fun nightmare logic pretty much ends. The second one picks up at the exact last scene, which is interesting. They do a really good job of just continuing the final scene. That kicks off the second one, which you can get through. Then they just really are totally nuts. And I didn't watch Phantasm Ravager from 2016. That was released right after Angus Grimm and died. And all Coscarelli. All Coscarelli. I don't, I don't believe you. It is unbelievably 
You think uh, you, you want to get it? I, I'd love to hear. Well, I, the only reason I haven't gone on this tear is because <laughs> two is hard to find. We yes. were looking for it today. Yeah. And I've wanted to see some of the other ones. Based on this premise, the worse it gets, it seems like it would just get better and better. That's what right? I thought. Yeah. 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 It does. It does So not. I would have. I would have. <laughs> I would have fallen into that trap after I watched this recently because I tried to do the same thing. You would mention that. And you can yeah. find three, four, is it five they're or six of them. I think most of them are on Shutter. Yeah, they're what all, happened to the they're all one? right there except yeah. for two. It, yeah. It's hard to find. I think two. you can rent it on Prime, but I'm not sure You can the rent quality, it. It's out there. But yeah. that, that gave me enough pause that I did not fall down the phantasm. Rabbit hole, but to your point, Trent, like it's not like one of the ones like when you see people running around with the shirt with like Freddie, Michael Myers, Leatherface, you know, Jason. Tall Man is a lower tier. It's a lower tier, but it's still huge. Still iconic. It's, it's yeah. iconic. I don't know. I watched some trailers. They look like sci fi movies to They're me. As in S Y F Y. Yes, exactly. That's what yeah. they are. Yeah. So you saw two, right? Oh yeah. Well you can rent it on YouTube apparently. Oh yeah, it's VOD. It's out there. Well, even without, I mean, I had never seen this movie, but as soon as you said Phantasm, I knew exactly the person that's on the t-shirt. It's like, oh, it's very, yeah. e like I yeah. knew the tall white man with the hair. I was like, oh, Phantasm. Angus Scrimm. Awesome. RIP 2016. It made it to 89, died of prostate cancer. And my favorite thing I think about the whole movie is when he goes, he keeps saying, boy. Boy. <laughs> I love when he does that. It's so I like scary. It. I don't like it. Boy. That's the whole thing. He's uh, he was already six four, and they put him in platforms. Which once oh. you know that, and you watch, they put him in these platform shoes, and they they made all his suits be too small so that he looks even bigger than six foot four. He looks like seven feet. Love it. They this, have him but... carrying a coffin by himself at one point, picking up a coffin a that you just saw like coffin. eight adults carrying. He coffin, picks it up by yeah. himself. <laughs> and there's a bunch of scenes where he's just there looking creepy, like the steam comes out of the back of the ice cream truck, and he's just <laughs> standing like, there, and it looks like a smoke machine, but it's just like the ice cream truck door opens. It's like a Bon Jovi music video. Yeah, he yeah, like breathes it in. He's like breathing it in. Like This reminded me of the movie The Nightmare that we talked about, the German movie. And I felt like kind of an idiot because I was getting so into the dream logic, the nightmare logic of this. And I remembered how much time we spent talking about the nightmare and what that movie was about, what was really happening, what the chronology was, what was a dream, what wasn't. And I feel like we might have kind of glossed over the fact that the title of that movie is The Nightmare. Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe we, I, we might have thought a little too hard about no. what's going on. No, it's we kinda, thought just enough. Let's start all <laughs> over, like right now. Circle I think back. it might have been a bad dream. <laughs> I, I was calling it Das Nachtma, so I had no idea. <laughs> They're knocked. They're knocked. made the Beastmaster, directed 1982. Wow. You remember the Beastmaster? Never saw. Yes. Never you saw. never saw the Beastmaster. No. Uh, it's a great one. Also, um, Bubba Hotep. You guys see that one? I did. Um, I own it. No. You own Bubba Hotep. Yeah. On VHS. No. Okay. What's that? Uh, 2002, something like that. Yeah, it's early aughts. Yeah. yeah. You were talking about having a little collection earlier. That's a. That's a cry for help that you own that that's uh, like have you seen it no i have i, I have know it. how obscure it is though i was i was excited because it it was you know the director of phantasm and bruce campbell and elvis right yeah yeah that's about as that's about as fun as it gets <laughs> i like that um when they look for a safe place to bring michael they bring him to this old antique store with all these terrifying relics <laughs> everywhere <laughs> you stay here this is safe for you i love that scene because that's one of the first i was trying to think early um versions of what's now kind of a cliche where you look at the picture and the picture starts moving like pennywise you know you see they always right, see right. the old picture. oh my god that happens in this with the tall man he's looking at the old picture and it's like oh my god the tall man turns and looks at him from the picture I like how the tall man can also be a hot chick. <laughs> yeah, the tall man. Yeah. Yep, not in originally Lavender. intended to be that way. Again, this oh, is really? like literally like a series of scenes where they got together on like, I don't know, 50 consecutive weekends and they're like, what do you want to do today? I'll just have it flash to his face. Oh, yeah. that And this was also heavily, heavily edited. It was longer. Yeah, it was like three hours long. Yeah, it, it was um, Coscarelli paid for a screening audience at one point. And he said the results were really bad. And so he talks about having edited this movie so much that I think that's a lot of the continuity and about how 
the tall man can also be a hot lady who fucks you in the cemetery. Uh, but and then it's the tall man again. That happens a few times. Yeah. Some of that. Some of the nightmare logic, I think, is just the fact that he was trying to edit this down to ninety minutes. I also think some of these things that that happen in this they they could have happened for the first time. There are some things that almost seem like a trope that you see in other movies. I would say um, Wes Craven took plenty from this for Nightmare on Elm Street. And right. There's a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street in this. The ending is. Basically, the ending right. of the first uh, Nightmare on, on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. With the window wow, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, way better. Yeah. But yeah. Coscarelli did it all. I mean, he wrote, directed, edited, shot it. I mean, this everything. Is a lot yeah. of friends involved. And like you said, Trent, he doesn't, he thinks the budget was like 300K, but all local financiers, parents involved. Producer DA Coscarelli, that was his dad. Yeah. They don't really develop the female characters at all in this movie. Are there which what female are characters? There, there's these yeah, two, what? the two the ones that come back later. Workers. There's the one in the cemetery. That's what that's one, one of the, the very... things that Coscarelli says that he edited a lot out of. Actually, is I think it's Joey's girlfriend was, or a, a yeah, love interest or something. He said there's way too much character development, and he just couldn't keep it all in there. This movie is not even close to passing the Bechdel test at all. <laughs> like they don't even have two women. For longer than like 30 seconds, besides them being like, we work in a thrift store. Okay, we'll bring you home. My next pick for the week is 2016's The Autopsy of Jane Doe. While investigating the crime scene in the home of a brutally murdered couple, the forensic crew find the body of an almost intact and exceptionally preserved young woman in her mid-twenties. Amid a huge media frenzy, Sheriff Sheldon enlists the help of the experienced coroner Tommy and his son Austin, entrusting them with the emergency autopsy of this beautiful Jane Doe with the cloudy eyes. In hopes of finishing early, Austin decides to stay with his father during the seemingly quiet night. However, the peat under the cryptic woman's fingernails, the severed tongue, and her completely shattered joints strongly imply that this will not just be another ordinary case. Without delay, the two coroners begin to work, only to plunge themselves deeper and deeper into a world of impossible occurrences and equally inexplicable findings. Then, in the dead of night, something eerily strange happens. Can they unearth Pale Jane's morbid secret? Wow. I just want to keep listening to that. That was better than the yeah, movie. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I love the Sheriff Sheldon part. I thought for sure that would trip you up. That's I, a I, tough one. I liked um, plunging themselves. Mm. Thank you. You ever, you ever plunge yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, things to try later. <laughs> All right. So I stumbled upon this week, and I was actually looking for something to pair with this movie called The Black Coat's Daughter that I've been obsessed with bringing to the show for a long time. And so I noticed that this came up on Hulu and watched it again. I'd seen this when it, when it first came out. Andre Overdahl, the director of this, has a new movie in theaters right now, The Last Voyage of the Demeter. And he is also the same director that brought us Troll Hunter. This one checks all the boxes. So unlike Phantasm, we talked about how all over the place it is. And and Trent, you made the point that Phantasm takes the form that you have to follow for a horror movie and then kind of picks it apart and adds some new ingredients into the recipe. This one is is just, let's check all the boxes. Let's make a horror movie, you know, in the vein of traditional, let's, you know, not no frills, nothing crazy. Let's just go in creepy premise let's see if we can ratchet up the tension we'll have some jump scares we'll have a reveal and, and some unnecessary exposition and then we'll take you out and you there you go you have 90 minutes you have a horror movie i like this one a lot still i i really enjoy overdahl's directing and the way that this is filmed kind of like cronin does in like the new evil dead evil Dead rise uh really good use of like hallways and those mirrors that you see in like 
you know, home improvement store. I mean, I've worked in warehouses for a long time. They're all over the place. Uh, really good use of some of that. Brian Cox, Emil Hirsch in it. So largely you have Cox and Hirsch. And then this woman laying naked on a table for the entire movie. That That's the movie. It is aptly titled. But, you know, I'm not going to hold this up to Phantasm. They're two very different conversations to have. But I like this movie a lot. I am well prepared to discuss um, what does and does not work. Okay. I loved this movie. I didn't really know what I was expecting going into it, but it just kept building as it went on and getting more and more spooky and interesting to me. And I just loved the payoff and the ending. And I just, I was just really into it. It started off kind of spooky and mysterious, but it never really was slow to me. Like it was very well paced, like right from the beginning. It kept my interest like right off the bat, especially with Cox and Emile Hirsch. Their chemistry and their talent overall was just what really kicked this one off for me, uh, for sure. Then you start to get into them performing the autopsy, and then when it gets more mysterious and spooky and supernatural... Uh, you start finding all these unexplainable things, you know, wrong with this corpse. And there's kind of this back and forth between the two of them being each being skeptical, like in their own ways, and then trying to explain them. But then you reach a point of no return on the unexplainable. And that's when it really hits the fan. That's when I was super enthralled. I thought it was suspenseful. I thought it was fun. That it was creepy. Uh, especially the whole like bell on the toe aspect, like obviously I was super into that one. What got me though is it would just, f- the camera would focus on this girl's face just laying on the table while they're like, you know, taking out her ribs or like taking out whatever. And it was just staring at her open eyes, just like, and I was waiting for that moment of like a wink or like the eyeballs to move or something like that. So the suspense kind of kept me there. I don't know. I was waiting for a jump scare and then many jump scares definitely delivered. It was just, as Kevin said, it was a fun one for me. It definitely checked all the boxes of what I wanted in this movie. And I thought it was really fun. And I'm very glad that I watched it. Trent and Dave, I can tell that you're also very glad. I don't know why people, you guys are looking at me like I'm going to. You're going to destroy rain it. On I, the print. I I like this movie. I bet you did. I thought. <laughs> I think this is very, very good. I liked it the first time. I had seen this before, and I watched it in spite of the title. I didn't like the title, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. That sounds like a snooze. (laughs) Nothing like looking at a dead body for two hours. (laughs) I'm surprised you guys keep saying box checking. I mean, to me, the story of this movie is not box checking. I thought this movie does a lot with a little. This is a two-hander. It's almost a stage thing. It's just the two characters talking to each other. That's what the movie is in one confined, very confined location that they get trapped in. I was surprised how well this movie does what it does with as little as it has to work with. It was scary. Um, I was fully engrossed. I thought it was very tense. I really liked how they kept coming up with new ways to, you know, they kept coming up with things to take you further, further, further. That, That was... My initial question, how much can you do with two guys alone, um, you know, in a mortuary? And you can do as much as you want. We just saw that in The Lighthouse. Uh, It's just about the imagination of the filmmaker and the screenwriter and and the actors. And I thought this movie did that. I wouldn't say it's a great one. It's a little hard, you know, compared to Phantasm. It's a little hard for me to get real excited about it. I didn't finish this movie and say, man, that's so good. You know, I thought, you know, that was good. I think it depends on what you like. I think I would call this a little more of the soft serve side. You want to see something that's very well done, that is scary, that's spooky. And I think but stay with you a little bit. I thought um, Brian Cox was amazing. I'm, I wasn't familiar with uh, Emil Hirsch. Hasn't done, I mean, he's done a bunch Into of stuff. The wild. Just not stuff that I'm familiar with. What, what's that? Into the Wild. He's the... Oh, he was the guy. In, okay, yeah. I did see that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't remember that. Girl Next Door. No, nah, don't know that one. Not the one that we covered. No, it's like a, it's like a, different film. This and this wasn't a. This didn't make any money, did it? What's the what's the bu- budget on this? Uh, I don't even know if the budget's listed. Oh, it's not actually. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. And this is on Hulu right now. I think it's a worthwhile spin. I was surprised at how good it was. Well, speaking of Emil Hirsch, 
Mm. I worked on a movie called Peel in 2019 that starred Emile Hirsch. And I uh, did this whole, uh, the music for this whole dance scene that was choreographed in Spanish. And I had to learn how to say, I had I wrote lyrics and had them translated into Spanish, and I had to sing in Spanish. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Well, give us a little it's taste. It's the movie Peel. It's called uh, El Matatan. Can oh. you drop a couple bars? Yeah. Oh, no, I Let's can't. hear it. <laughs> Come on. I just want you to know that El Matatan <laughs> is, is like a term for a man who is captivating and it like gets the attention of everyone everywhere he goes that's what el matatan means oh. so i had to learn the kind of like this, this guy does every week <laughs> hey. on the podcast speaking of shine though for me this was scary from the jump because of uh, i was triggered by the texas chainsaw massacre forensic film camera flash noise with yeah. that high pitched squeal in it that triggered me at first I'm glad Kat described Jane Doe as beautiful before because dead ass. <laughs> she just got hotter and hotter as the movie went on and she's just laying on this table. As they open her up and yeah, remove her organs, exactly. you were getting progressively I, more when aroused. They, moved, yeah, they yeah. opened the chest cavity and they took the <laughs> flap and covered the breast with it. Mm -hmm. It was almost like it left more to the imagination. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But much like my commentary of this movie, uh, the third, maybe the third time through today I watched it, oh. it was a little cheaper and it could have been because it was up next to Phantasm. Yeah. And the thing that mostly hurt it, the cinematography was great. Uh, everything about it was great. The soundtrack just really lacked. Yeah, there was, yeah, yeah. There was some boogie remember. woogie music that kept on coming on the radio yeah. like it was their favorite song. Oh. Like they, he likes to get down to. Yeah. It was just like rock and roll all night. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like who listens to music like it, that? It had like an original rock vibe, which is never right, right, never. Yeah, good. Lucky McKee, big fan of yeah, the not yeah. Good. yeah. Uh, and we watched this with our millennial friend Ben, yep. who didn't have the pleasure of growing up with the all surgery channel. Did you guys have? Oh my god, I hated oh, that you channel. Didn't have I would that? go so fast by it, like I like you go by haunted house. I am the That's millennial how... friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right now. you are. Well, there was a channel, and Tell you me. turned it on, and it was just like brain surgery, Why? heart all surgery day. all day long. All day long. What channel? Surgery channel. Yeah, surgery channel. What? PBS. Like, what are we no, talking? No, it was. Here? This, it was. A I, I missed this too. It tried you to cut. I I didn't have cable. Was wow. it scrambly like the porn no, would no, be, no, 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 or no. just straight no. up? Straight just, up. You go on there and there's someone's brains. You had to. I had to skip by it so fast going through the channels because right. I would be so disturbed by it. Uh, yeah. yeah. No. But no, that the you. gore in this is like that because it's, it's clinical. Yeah, it's clinical and it's cool how they do it because it's all set up with like a dummy. It's all. It's probably all practical. I mean, I didn't see anything in this that looked too crazy no. as far as effects but I, I like how it's done just in one spot and there is lots of gore and it's just an autopsy this is what an autopsy looks like right, I, I right. presume my right. experience not having had the I surgery this is channel a deep is, dive. Is, I feel like most of them aren't this uh, thorough this is a very thorough autopsy well right. the title of the movie like, it's the yeah. very thorough autopsy of Jane Doe I should have <laughs> I should have got that one <laughs> It reminded me a little bit of Insomnia, how they are getting every clue, you know, in Insomnia, he looks under the fingernails and what's in the hair and, you know, getting all, they're talking about, well, she has peat moss and what part of the country is peat moss prevalent and, you know, where was this person? Because, because she's found at the crime scene, nobody knows who she is. So that's why she's Jane. Danger. The emergency destruct system is now activated. Spoiler alert ahead if you have not seen the autopsy of Jane Doe and do not wish to have the ending spoiled, you might want to stop listening now. The fact that it keeps you engaged yeah. for the entire run of the film. Yeah. Um, I think what I was getting at is I don't think it sticks the landing, which I have a hard time blaming any movie that doesn't stick the landing. It's one of the hardest things to do. In art, you know, it's, it is. Well, it at is. least like for mediums like novels, movies, yeah. you know, it's not a three and a half minute song where you can like stick the landing. It's really hard. I do love 
how they continue to ratchet up the clues. And it really sucks yeah. you in. Yeah. And Brian Cox is very much the logical one. He's been doing this for a long time. It's a family tradition. Uh, you know, Ben was kind of surprised about seeing uh, when he when the first time they show you that the the morgue is in their house, which right. is a very common thing in Bro. parts of, in parts of America, is to you know, you have a family business. It's you do this for a living, and it's by the way in your basement. I love the fact that like Cox is logical. You can tell that Emil Hirsch, Austin, his character, a little more whimsical. He wants to view these these bodies as people. He wants to get a little bit more involved. And Cox is very much like, we're here for COD, cause of death. That's it. That's all we have to worry about. And then you kind of see him, the, the walls start to break down a little bit. I love, you know, they don't have microfiche in this, but Brian Cox has a whole shelf full of old books. He's, he got, can just he's keep got a book for every occasion. Off. But the spoiler thing is like, I think by the end when they just sort of like, Cox wraps it up in like a minute and a half of exposition of like, oh my God, this is the Salem witch yeah. trials. She's from Salem. She was a witch. You know what? I bet she wasn't a witch. She was innocent. You know what? They made her a witch because they tortured her when she yeah. was innocent. And now she, that whole thing, it's a really <laughs> cool concept. It's yeah. a flurry it's a, of exposition. <laughs> and we're like, so what? Insane. Well, you just got right into the spoiler. Right? You, I, you got to drop I, something uh, in there. That was smooth. <laughs> But it's a really cool concept. Like, I love the concept of witches still weren't real. Salem was still this horrible thing that happened to innocent people. But you know what? They made a witch because they were so evil to an innocent person. Mm -hmm. I dig that, but I felt like after, like, 80-something minutes of, like, ratcheting yeah. up the tension to yep. just, like, ice bucket challenge you with yes. that. Like, here you <laughs> right. go. I agree a hundred percent. And I, I didn't know where you were, where you were going with sticking the landing because I liked the final scene, but I agree with you a hundred percent. You have all this cool stuff built up and this is so common. What do you do with it? How do you tie it up? I don't know. Which trials? I mean, we've seen that all the way back to the movie nightmare or, um, um, no, uh, superstition. Right, right. Uh, you know, you can't even keep track of how many movies get to the end. Like, I don't know, fucking witch trials. It was a witch. I don't know. I feel like this uh, is a moment in which it could have been a two-hour movie. They could have stretched this I, a little bit yeah, longer. I would. This didn't need to be a quick one thirty. No, you know? they, they could have taken a little more time. Yeah. I liked the ultimate end. If we're now that we're just totally spoiled, I like that it just ends with uh, the kid. They just both die. I love it. Great. Just let somebody die, please. I'll be happy. And now that we're in the spoiler area, I'm exonerated of uh, the necrophilia innuendos I was making earlier. That's why I was trying to say she gets hotter and hotter mm -hmm. because she kind of like goes back she, together. At she the comes end. more to life. Right. Wow, you're always uh, operating on another level, Dave. Oh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I get it. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I don't. So over the, the course of the movie, they find out that she's not dead. My she God, she can feel it. Oh. Her blood cells are still whatever they're wiggling. doing. Her brain cells. They're wiggling. Yeah. Brain cells. Yeah. But right. to your to your point, Kat, I was shocked to find out that this wasn't like based on some sort of like a novel or something. Yeah. And I I was kind of having like in like turmoil about could it be like two and a half hours? Could it have been like a movie or TV series rather? Could it have been based on a book where you get to flesh out a lot of things that had to have been a decision? Yeah, right. <laughs> that had, yeah, unintentional. Cox. I apologize. <laughs> that had to be an intentional decision because they give you a lot that they could have chewed on, like the relationship between the father and son. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, Stop. sorry. I am, I cannot save myself from that. So. I, have a, I have a question. What? So all the stuff that was done to her internally, mm -hmm. would they do this in the what seventeenth century? And they did it. she doesn't have a mark on her. No, that, like yeah, I don't. Witchcraft. What's all this intern? I don't get that. The it's witchcraft? through the witchcraft. It was through the, the, the Satan. Satan, because they have taken this poor woman who was innocent. She wasn't a witch, but then said she was a witch and tortured her so evilly. Satan's powers then imprinted on her on the inside of her skin broke okay. all over and made her able to keep living and have no outward signs of anything through all of this torture right kevin will you say the filmmaker's name again andre overdahl andre overdahl guy made troll hunter Whoa. yeah that's what i said i love troll hunter oh you said that already yeah. sorry yeah, I haven't seen. Has anybody seen Voyage of the Demeter? Last I, Voyage? I have not. That that's. That, I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to. I, I I've heard good things from the horror community. Yeah, mainstream critics. I think on the fence. 
not doing well at the box office right now. Massive flop. Forty-five million dollar budget hasn't even cleared fifteen. It's around fifteen million right now. I didn't even know it was in the theaters already. I, f- I feel bad because that was a big shot for this guy to make. You know, and he said after he made Troll Hunter, he made this. He felt like he had something to prove that he wasn't just a found footage fluke. We talked about Troll Hunter, right? Mm-hmm. On an yeah, episode. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then he made Autopsy of Jane Doe, and now this $45 million thing, and I I feel like, I haven't seen it yet, but I feel like the studio failed him and didn't really, I don't think the movie was promoted. Maybe they just didn't, they lost faith in it, but I just think the whole thing from the title right on down through, I think you make a movie about Dracula, one of the most popular characters in the history of civilization, and nobody knows it's about Dracula. You call it The Last Voyage of the Demeter. The fuck does that mean? Oh, the Dracula. You know what the Demeter is? Yeah. The no, sh- you didn't know what the Demeter was, though, before this. Yeah, I did. You knew what the Demeter was. Okay, we yeah, know the what the Demeter sh- is. the is. ship that carries Dracula. Well, yeah, now I know that, but if you had asked me a month ago, hey, what was the ship's name that yeah, carried? Yeah, it's based on the captain's log, which is one single chapter in the book. But, but, okay. you, but if we had asked you months ago, yeah, what absolutely. was the name of the ship yes. that Dracula was on, you would have said the Demeter. Yes. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I still think it was a mistake. Yeah, I'm an unintentional goth. <laughs> Rib well, cutters. I mean, but in between that, he also did scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, so right. he had like a big. That's right. He did. He I had a big that. studio hit. Mm. Do you see that? That one? was a hit. I believe so. Yeah, I, I think that did well. I, guess. I didn't I, love I, I, it. I, I saw may be it. misspeaking. I did see that, um, and I thought it was very well done. It's very. Yeah. It's more on the. T- it's not goosebumps, but more on the tip of a of a. It was based on a kind a of a scarier. children's book, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a great children's book. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I guess they do a good job with that. I was going in expecting a little more of a horror movie with that one. Scary Stories? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little more like if you see like the Fear Street trilogy that's on Netflix and stuff, but it's more like in that yeah, vein. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But the point that I was making before, <laughs> there's a lot that they could have given you in this that I find intriguing. However, I wonder if the movie would be more interesting with it. That is the relationship between Austin but his father, the fact that they lost his mother, and I believe they hint that she killed herself. Oh. There's also the whole, where is this woman from? There's the whole Texas Chainsaw intro where there's a house full of people that have already had this happen to them. Right. There's the fact that you now have right, two crime scenes where people look like they were trying to get out, but to the outside observer, they're right. like, why are these people just... Everything looks like they were trying to get out of here. There's a lot of things that they could have given us that they didn't. And I don't know if that's for the be- for better or for worse. That's a good point. There there is a lot in there. But I did I appreciated how economical it was and how, you know, how well paced it was. Uh, maybe that is for the best. One of my favorite parts of one of my favorite reveals, I guess, of this movie is that, you know, this whole time when they're doing this autopsy they're listening to the radio and that's when like the weird rock and roll songs come on. And then the weatherman's being like, oh, it's this huge hurricane. Like, don't go outside. All this X, Y, and Z. And then like the power goes out and blah, blah, blah. And so this whole time you think that these people are confined to this house because they physically can't leave because it, it's dangerous. And then it's like a small thing at the end when someone's watching the news or it's the radio's on again and the weatherman's like, yep, we got another beautiful day tomorrow just like we had the whole past week. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, <laughs> Fourth straight day of sunshine. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's the thing. None of this movie actually happened. No. Nothing in this movie happened. From the point that she's rolled in to have the autopsy performed on her, nothing you see actually happened. What do you mean? They didn't it even... Was a dream. It was like what? a no, no. She was projection. projecting that. It was on a projection. That. Like nobody's wa- up there walking around. No dead bodies are walking store. around. But I mean, she killed. I mean, they died. That happened. They killed each other. Yeah, or died as a consequence of the visions that she was. No oh. dead bodies were up and around. Nothing was opened. No like one touched everything, anybody. right? Yeah, everything when, when, was right. just when Brian Cox, when Dad kills. Austin's girlfriend. That's a mistake. Yeah. And then he kills his dad to and spare him. He falls and then over he falls. the stairs. Right, yeah. right. Interest right. Yeah. I knew that she made up the storm. I knew the storm didn't happen because it gives you that at the end, like you were saying. No, but at the end they're like, Nothing is wrong here. Why are all these people dead in all these weird right. ways? Nobody's tried to leave. All that's happening is every time they do cut the autopsy is really happening, but every time they cut into her and do something worse to her, she bestows something worse upon them. Right. Now that happens. 
Does it? Is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back it was to the all nightmare. a dream. Let's go back to the German conversation. <laughs> Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was a huge hit. $25 million budget made $100 million. So yeah, he did... He did well, and that's I guess that's why he got the last I think Voyager. Del Toro was behind that one, too, though. Yeah, that was yeah. a Del Toro production, as yeah. I recall. Yes. Yeah. But still, big hit. So, Last Voyage, not so much. So, his inspiration for this was seeing The Conjuring. Yeah, And right. seeing a movie that he felt as though it went back to basics, and he basically told his agent, go find me a script. I just want to make like a... I want to make a good old-fashioned horror movie. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the script was kind of kicking around like on the blacklist for a few years. It was, right. So we made this. Knowing that, you can definitely see a lot. And I do think like Bolden that I talked about with Cobweb, Cronin uh, with Evil Dead Rise, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw Cronin's uh, The Hole in the Ground. Um, I didn't. It's really good. It's on Max right now. I watched it right after I... Right after we talked about it. It's a very, very distinct, I think, directing style that's happening right now amongst some contemporary horror directors. And I think this one being 2016, so not like it's old, but I think this is sort of like an early version of what we're seeing very much now in contemporary horror. Yeah. uh, With the way it's shot and and all that. Yeah. I liked this movie much more after just the one time. I think this one is one that that suffers a little bit going back because just the nature of what it does is, is it surprises you with how much it manages to do to you in the runtime with such a basic concept. And that was the thing that I really liked about it. Was I was just surprised at how good it was because I had low expectations. And now going back, this to me, this isn't something like Phantasm where every time you watch it, you get more into it and you notice more. This is kind of more like I feel like if there's any, if I'm reserved about it now it's just because I, I think it's really good the one time and maybe not as much to go back to now that you say the conjuring the the ringing bell and like the clap game are like the same thing yeah it's the same kind of suspense yeah well they do the bell and the nun oh, oh the, the nun the nun the nun too is uh, coming up the nun too coming care. up Can't don't care wait for that one yeah okay I'll be there <laughs> I did I liked the toe bell gag that was good for one great gag, and at the end, so it's a double, double gag. That was very good. Yeah, the the very very end, that little gag at the end. Yeah. Is, well, yeah, and, and shout out that. to Owen Kelly. That is the the actress playing Jane Doe. Yeah, so Jen relax. They they actually she had to sit there and lay on this table completely naked yes. for almost every single scene that you see. And to your point, Cat, like those shots where they have her. Just on her face, it's it's pretty astounding. Uh, more of, I think, a dancer, model, um, yoga enthusiast. And I guess that's why Overdahl was kind of drawn to her because she could basically just completely relax. But yeah. he said they did do some testings when he was prepping this movie with prosthetics and things, and it just was not going to cut it. Like, yeah, you, you need to have a real person yeah. there for as close as he wanted to get in there with those shots. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, she does a great job. Next week. It's Cats Week. Woo. Well, are you guys so ready? Wait, Cats? We're watching Cats? Yeah, I've picked a week. Um, okay. It's the uh, West Craven's Ur Week, Oh, if you will. Okay. I've got Shocker. Ooh. Wow. wow. And Chiller. Whoa. Chiller? Yeah. Isn't that from like 83 or 89. something? 89. 80, right. 80 something. They're both from the 80s. Both uh, coming coming in hot. Um, I don't know about Chiller. I don't know if I know about Chiller. Chiller is on Pluto uh, for free with ads. And I believe Shocker just got added to Peacock. It's one of the new oh, uh, free... slews from Peacock, the big oh, horror oh, drop. Oh, the 100. Yeah, Peacock is getting like 100 horror movies yeah, yeah, for yeah. Halloween. Right. So hopefully it's already on there. All right. Um, if not, rent it, bitches. 